In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. All right, welcome back to Comic Exposure. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm here with my partner in crime. Way down below the ocean. I feel like we should start off with some kind of like underwater. underwater. My name's name? Travis. There we go. That's, that's what I cued I you in on. Was I know, but I, wanna, I like to start with like a jaunty. I got you. I got you. Uh, anyways, anyways, jaunty songs aside, uh, we're Comic Exposure. Uh, we are a podcast where we talk comic books uh, with someone who doesn't always read comic books maybe as much as we do. Uh, or someone who doesn't normally get to talk about comic books with anybody else. So, uh, our guest today is Jeremy. Jeremy, say hi. Hey, what's up? All right. Uh, and Jeremy's here, and we're going to talk about a book called The Underwater Welder by Jeff Lemire. Before we get into it, though, i gotta, I got to plug. Okay, so uh, if you want to check out the podcast, you're listening to it, but if you want more than just to hear the sweet sounds of our voice, you want to see some pictures of us and, and see like the ins and outs of what's going on, uh, you can check us out on Twitter, at Comic Exposure. You can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash Comic Exposure. And I've even moved into putting us on Instagram, which I don't, I don't know if the medium works for a comic book podcast, but I'm going to do it. Uh, so you can find us on Instagram, also at Comic Exposure. It's a pretty easy name to follow before everything around. So website, www.comicexposure.com. You can find us on there. Uh, so we're here. We're talking comic books. Uh, last podcast, last trade podcast, we talked about a big superhero book. And this time we're totally switching gears. Uh, what would you categorize this book as, Travis, that we're reading today? If you're well, gonna... I'm going to use a term I'm sure we're all going to drop from the preface in a little bit. I would say this is um, this is a, a dramatic... I don't know. Is it kind of sci-fi, too? I would say it's sci-fi. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Out of, I don't know. Out of everything... Is that on a question list? No, it's not. <laughs> out of everything we've read, I would say that this is probably the... This is a graphic novel, right? Everything else we've read has been like a trade mm. that's part of a longer series. This is a standalone... I would say novel. this is a this is a graphic, graphic novel. novel. <laughs> I don't read comic books. I read graphic, graphic novels. novels. When people say that pretentious stuff, yeah, that's this is the kind of book. This, they this is the book they're talking about. All right, so uh, Underwater Welder by Jeff Lemire. Uh, Jeff Lemire is a Canadian cartoonist. Uh, I, I read an interview with him. He said he started somewhere around 2000, 2002 to get really serious in uh, in comic books. And so for fifteen years, he had he's had a pretty good dive into stuff uh he's actually written a bunch of stuff for dc recently he was like mr new 52 uh he wrote animal man swamp thing justice league dark green arrow for a while uh he did justice league i think it's justice league unlimited is mm -hmm. the cartoon but i think that that's the name of the comic book he did too i'm not sure but he wrote like essentially five titles for uh the new 52 at a time uh, and then he's done some solo stuff too, so some comic books. Was he drawing those as well? No, he didn't draw those. Those were all all written. But he did draw uh, Sweet Tooth is one of his books, and right, then also yeah. uh, he did um, uh, Trillium, which is which was out on Vertigo. And I read like the first issue of it, super dug it, and then missed it the next time because I didn't put it on my pull list. 
You're missing one. There's a big one too um, that he drew. It's uh, it sounds like a like a ville or a place. Oh, Essex County. Essex, Essex County. County. Yeah, that yeah. was another one. So that's kind of on the same lines as Underwater Welder. That's a, a collection of graphic novels, like three of them together. Mm. Um, so big guy does a lot of stuff, um, writes and draws. Uh, so, um, before you get the summary, it's your turn yeah. this week. Oh, it is my Let, turn. Let's get a little um, yeah, let's comic background uh, about Jeremy. Jeremy, yeah. um. um before you sat down and graciously agreed to read this with us, what was your experience in the comic book world? It's funny because I feel like uh, I've been listening to the show. It feels like almost every guest that you've had has a similar bio, and it must be because we're all in our mid-30s because, I mean, it's the exact same stuff. <laughs> Death of Superman, X-Men. Right. Um, I worked in a I worked in a uh, convenience store for like four years in high school, and they had a little magazine rack that had a section of comics and so during the dead times i'd be pulling crap out of there all the time so i was reading i was trying to think what was coming out then weapon x yeah x factor probably it was x-men was exploding everywhere age of apocalypse was like during that time that was a big one yeah um yeah that's really it was a lot of marvel stuff since then it's probably been more one-offs that you hear about so watchmen mm-hmm. uh i'm trying to think what are some of the batman books that'd be out there a long halloween is that something yeah um, isn't that a- is yeah, that yeah, something a one. Yeah, <laughs> i read that Jeff yeah. Lobes are a- uh dark knight returns some of that that's a classic yeah. we'll have to yeah. do like a big anniversary dark knight returns That'd type thing um you know what one of the things that no one's mentioned from the, like the 90s but you'll probably remember this remember the dc uh marvel um crossover where they would blend the characters it was like wolverine and batman were one character i don't and then they yeah it was like a, it I was an amalgam when, universe and the the, um, the publishers got together i remember when they had put them together in the yeah. same comic but not that they were the same person yeah so they put them together versus each other okay and then the postscript to that was they blended them together so you had wolverine and batman t- or uh were together it was like spider-man and the dc equivalent of spider-man whoever it was at the time it was interesting Hmm. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. I do remember like putting. Well, that, that fell flat then, it did, didn't so it, now gentlemen? You can't run with it. But, but no, I don't remember that. How dare but you? But I want to find it now. now that I'm putting talked. this on pause. And you're going to read that. <laughs> now that you've talked about it, though, I'm kind of interested in what a Batman Wolverine would be like. Um, it's about as bad as you think. It is about as bad. So, like, I am Batman, but I can cut you with my. You know, when you're a kid in the playground and you're you're taking on roles, you're like, I'm I'm Batman. Yeah. You're like, um. And your friend's like, I'm Spider-Man. You're like, no, I'm Spider-Man too. I'm Batman and Spider-Man. Yeah. That's what it's like. That's exactly what it was. (laughs) All right. So it's, it's, I'm still interested. I still, even if it's not good, I still want to, I still want to, I'm going to Google that. No more superhero talk, man. We can't focus on that. We are done. So besides the superheroes, so this, you probably had never read a comic that had not had superheroes in it. Then. No, that's not actually true. What, and I'm trying to remember. Damn what's it, that, what's that? What's that I book? Just I just lent you a book. Um, um, I haven't finished it yet. It's on my bookshelf. I know it is. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It is. That's <laughs> not it. That's also not on my bookshelf. I don't think so. No, but it's very much in the vein of this. It it's, is. It oh, is uh, a Day Tripper. Day Tripper by yeah. Fabio Moon, who is yeah. really, really great comic art. I really love. Is it a Beatles book? It is not a Beatles oh. book. It is not. Uh, it's like a really, it's like a story though. It's like one story about it's a, it's like a character piece, and I yeah. think you could say the same thing about the book. We're uh, yeah, it would, today. it's very similar. I yeah. would say that they would be uh, very close in feel, at least. Kissing, yeah. kissing cousins. Yeah, there yes. you go. Yeah, which I don't. Recommend. No tongue, though. No. Yeah. 
All right, so let's get into it. Let's get into it. Um, we two minute do, summary. We got a two minute summary, and I do believe it's my turn for the two minute you got summary. The timer. Uh, let me let me pick up my timer. I feel like this is. I feel like I feel like I, you're gonna nail this one. I feel like this is the easiest two minute summary we've done since we started doing these. So here we go. Two minutes. Don't minute blow summary. this. Don't blow know, this. A lot right? of pressure. Mm, all right, here we go. Two minute summary. So this book follows a character named Jack, who is a former. Uh, he went to school. Like it talks about in the comic book, he's an English major. And he doesn't make any money doing that, so he takes his pregnant wife, uh, and he moves back home to his hometown, which is on the coast, and he decides that in order to make money, he's an underwater welder. Uh, so that is exactly what you think it is. He goes underwater and welds things. That, that's what he does. So that's his job. And so the story is essentially his wife is pregnant, like eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant, about to, about to give birth like in a couple weeks. And he goes out for a two-week stint uh, to weld. And while he's out there, he comes across a pocket watch. He thinks he sees something behind him in the water. We don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, But it turns out that he sees his father underwater. Um, And here's the kicker. His father? His father. His father is dead. His father's dead. So his father died when he was a kid uh, on Halloween day. And so we kind of follow the story of... Jack um, can't seem to grow up or get away from his dad, I think is essentially the crux of the story, if I can put it in this two minutes. Uh, during this little story, he um, something happens to him underwater when he sees it that first time. Uh, they pull him out. He goes back to see his wife, but he's like, man, I got to go back there. Something's pulling him back to the water where he thinks he saw something. We don't know that it's his dad he saw at first, but something he sees something. There's a pocket watch down there. He goes back and is mysteriously taken to another, I want to say it's like another dimension, but it's not another dimension, where he uh, essentially is all by himself and has to come to terms with what his life has become. Um, so he gets himself out of it, goes back to see his wife. Things are good. Bingo, bango, bongo. Two minute summary at one fifty seven. That was good. That's a good two minute summary. Wasn't too bad. Yeah. And anything you want to add? Anything I missed? No, I think we're gonna get to all that okay. all that good stuff once awesome. we uh, once we move through it. Um, okay, um, so let's get an initial. I guess I guess we, I don't want to open up to initial, or else we're gonna keep going on. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about. Um, you know what? We don't just start with art, but I want to start with art on this okay. because it is so different than a, a superhero book. And I think that if someone is being exposed to comics, I can imagine handing this to someone and them opening it up and being like, "This doesn't look like where are the colors? What? Why is? Why are these people like? Where are their muscles? Like, what's? <laughs> I thought you're giving me a comic book. It is definitely the antithesis or the complete opposite of what we just read. So, what do you think, Jeremy? What's your What are your initial thoughts on the art? Well, okay, so I I read it on a, on a digital format, which um, you feel a little bit at a disadvantage because all you can see is the cover. You guys mentioned it a little bit last week with Christian, yeah. I think, reading uh, digitally. And I love the artwork on the cover. The, the sketch with the deep color, I was excited. And then I opened it up, start flipping through, and it is stark, sketchy, black and white. Uh, it... It took me a while to get used to it. And I think, you know what the main issue that I have with the art mm-hmm. is how freaking ugly the people are. Oh, the people are, are super ugly. Like <laughs> abominations. There are. And Jeff Lemire, this is his style. So if you've seen Sweet Tooth, um, the characters all have these buggy eyes that are maybe a little too far apart. 
that's like just that's super his style of artwork. It's really sketchy, wouldn't you say, Travis? Is is art? Yeah, style? I mean, I, I was looking at like I'm trying to think of the ugliest character. His mom looks like kind of like if Ellen <laughs> were in her 80s. <laughs> his his wife is pretty. Is yeah, pretty page looking. page 93. The, there's a shot of his wife that literally I thought, man, like how'd you make a baby with that? Gosh. <laughs> Uh, it's like Swamp Thing. Oh, yeah, no. Because her <laughs> eyes are so big. Her eyes are really and, big. And, like, like Kimbo. It yeah. looks like... You ever seen Mission Impossible 3 when Carrie Russell has the bomb in her head? Yeah. And it goes off in her one eye? Like, <laughs> that's what she looks like. I can see that. I can see that. I will say he draws a pretty sweet mustache for the dad, though. <laughs> I like that mustache. Yeah. Um, here's what I'm going to say. Uh, I agree with you. I saw the cover, and I knew I knew it was black and white because I I wanted to read this for a while. So I knew it was black and white. Um, and the cover, I was like, oh, man, that's gorgeous. Like, the watercolor yeah. on that is fantastic. Yeah, I love it. And I've read his artwork uh, in Sweet Tooth and in um, Trillium, and it's the art style, but it's colored. Um, so you get to kind of see that greatness of it. But I really like the starkness of it, because I don't know if you noticed, but he really plays with a couple elements throughout the story uh, that you can see the differences in his art as he goes through it. Um, but uh, Ugly People... But that's if you've seen anything else by Joth Lemire, that's that's his ugly people is his bread and butter. No one looks, no one is handsome, no one is handsome. Right. Um, everyone's a little goofy looking. But how about the how about the stuff that's not people? How about the stuff that's not people? There's some like really good looking like you can see he draws the town and it looks like a town he grew up in or something that he saw. Uh, the oil, uh, the oil rig that he draws yeah, totally. is really good. There's a page. I think I, did I mark it? I don't even know now, but there's a couple panels in here where he, where he draws the oil rig and it just looks, it looks fantastic. It's really early on. There's one of the oil rig. That's really great. Yeah. There's another shot where the, you see like the, what it appears to be the entire layout of yeah, the city the and it kind of yeah. juts out into the ocean and yeah. it's a really great layout too. Yeah, page 21, there's a there's a picture of the oil rig and it is, it looks great. Like, uh, I always want to get original art um, and I'm pretty sure Jeff Lemire's stuff isn't cheap uh, but this would be a piece that would be fantastic. You've got the oil rig below it, you've got, you know, the the you know his tools of the trade to be uh to be an underwater welder so you see um his o2 monitor his helmet and then his flippers mm -hmm. and it's like such a the composition of some of the other stuff in here is really good i think every splash page in this book i want as a poster oh yeah. god yeah uh, totally. I, I i had to struggle i was like ah pick a best panel i was like don't pick a splash page it was so hard but i'm like there's so many good splash there pages are. there really are to pick um, I would say this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, drift into a, another topic when I talk about this. I the first when I sat down and read this for the first time, I just read it like I would a typical comic book, just kind of read through it. Yeah. And um, and I, I was like, okay, you know, oh, what am I gonna talk about here? But I read through it again last night, and really paying attention to, okay, this is his baby. He wrote and drew it. So everything is exactly the way he yeah. wants it. So yeah. let me let me go into it with an eye like this. And one of the things that I saw was, as you said, there is this reality world, yeah. and then there's this dream world. And if you look at the reality lines, everything is very sharp. Yeah. And when you get to the part where he's in the dream world, everything is washed out. The backgrounds are all washed out and watercolor. Like, here's the dream world. And look, yeah. at, look how everything's well, washed out uses, in there. There's, he's using 
the he's using watercolors. Looks like right. Yeah. Whenever he well, whenever he goes back in time, so there's like all of his flashbacks. So even early on, uh, when he's the first, if you look at the very first pan, the first page, um, it's all watercolored, right? Right. Uh, watercolor and pen. Watercolor only shows up when he's underwater or when he's in the past. So this first scene is him. It starts out with him in the other world. Right, him going underwater that last time mm. uh, is what the book starts off with. You just don't know that. In fact, I think at first it, it looks it might well it might be his. I think the first panel is his dad, right? Mm. Um, yeah, he, I mean he's drinking, right? He's yeah. drinking and goes out. I mean that's when his dad dies. Yeah, that's dies, how his dad right? dies. But the same panel later on is him going into the water, and he looks a lot like his dad. And I think he does a really good job of kind of showing that too but when he's in that kind of dream world or other dimension or whatever you want to call it that is all watercolor just like the water and it's brilliant like oh I, man it's something i just didn't pay attention to the first time and it gets, the second time yeah, it came so obvious that. and you know he's using watercolors as underwater welder and you get this dreamlike watery yeah. state yeah. to show you that he's that he's not in the real world and one of the things i'm gonna ask you later uh guys is to look at that last panel where it's a combination of washed out and heavy oh, lines. It's when he comes back. When he yeah, comes back, but is he back? Built. Because if he was back, it would be completely. I, you would see that beginning lines like this. I. But think, you don't. You see it washed out. I I'm asking you that. I'm asking you that okay, later because right. we can get I'm to. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you what I think about that. Uh, but other, that was one of the coolest things I thought about. Is you kind of see him transition, and so although it's black and white. Um, and if you read The Walking Dead, that whole thing's black and white. You just, it, so it didn't bother me too much that there's no color in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talked about this before, Travis. Um, I dig punk rock art. Mm-hmm. So, and this is, this is some pretty punk rock art. Like, it's really sketchy. It's not what you would expect. Uh, it's the opposite of what we mm-hmm. talked about last issue with Batman. Yeah, I agree with Jeremy. Like, it, it, was, it was hard because these people, you're just like, what is that? Is that his nose or is that his chin and the wrinkles? But where I gain a new level of respect is this is using art to enhance the story, to enhance the symbolism, yeah. the theme, to put you into the story, put you under that water, put you into that dream state. And it's done so subtly that the first time I read it, I, it just really just kind of washed over me. And I was like, well, that's impressive. That's I, what when creative control you have in there. I noticed it for sure with the underwater stuff right away because I thought that was really cool. But on my second read-through is when I noticed like the difference in the dream world. So when he's like... Uh, when he touches the pocket watch and he goes into whatever other dimension, I didn't realize that everything was using... It looked like it's pencil instead of pen for those scenes. Like, he mm-hmm. didn't ink it. Yeah. So it's just pencil and, like, uh, ink wash on it. Um, and so that stuff, once he comes out of the water, I was like, oh, I didn't notice that before. Mm-hmm. I, but reading it the second time, this is definitely a book where the art plays, like, a serious role in storytelling. Like, a really serious role in storytelling. Absolutely. I thought it was fantastic. Now, uh, Jeremy, um, did you read the preface? Uh, on yeah, the, yeah. The, now, did you the, read it before you started reading? I or, did. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, I want to know, I want to ask you both, how much the preface, uh, the preface uh, affected your reading of the story? Because one of the things they say in there is this is like the best Twilight episode that was not filmed. Yeah, the best Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. How, what do you think uh, about that? I don't know. I think it probably unfairly colored it a little bit and gave me an expectation of what was going to be happening. Um, There seems to be that I would have been carrying a little more mystery with me when when the stuff is happening underwater and I'm trying to figure out what makes sense of it. But because it had already been framed, 
Twilight Zone. I think I really was going, okay, something unusual is happening yeah. here. Uh, this isn't a normal story. Where is this going to go? So I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was Lindelof. I happen to, I know he gets a lot of crap online uh, from the geek community. I actually He's really a lot lost, right? Yeah. Right? Lost. I yeah. was a huge lost fan. So I read that right away. Um, but yeah, I think it probably unfairly colored it before I went in. I would, I would agree with you. Same thing. Yeah. I, and I question it cause I think it was, it was done on purpose. I don't know what the read throughs were, but they wanted you to read it like that. And I think it does it a bit of a disservice. I think it's more than a Twilight Zone episode. I mean, Twilight Zone's, uh, um, you know, there's always, the Twilight Zone episode is always something uh, uh, supernatural or sci fi that's supposed to reflect the internal emotions of a human being. So on that level, I think it is very yeah. Twilight. What's yeah. happening to him is just a reflection of like the id, the ego, and the super id, right? It's just it's all that kind of Freudian psychology, yeah. except we put pig people in it, or a guy who breaks his glasses <laughs> and can't read anymore, or all that good stuff. Right. But I think that by putting that up front, it really you're waiting for that twist. You're waiting for that oh Henry moment of. Um, Oh, is he going to the outer space, or right. you know, are there going to be Martians here? And um, the I think story it was more true than that. Than that yeah. I feel like yeah, yeah it, that it felt like it was going to be a cheat at some point, and I was, um, I was satisfied that it wasn't. It didn't feel that way. That there was a cheesy twist. That there was a cheat of some sort. It yeah. felt very true. It did. It, and well, I think like reading that, I kind of expected. I almost expected it to be more supernatural than it is. And I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like come up with a word of where he goes. And so part of me, had I not read that Twilight Zone thing, I would have just said that this is like he, he um, was unconscious or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like the first time, yeah. you could chalk it up to that, and that's just his. Whatever's going on in his mind, because his oxygen was thrown off, or whatever it is. But reading that, and literally the first sentence is, "You guys like the Twilight Zone?" So even if even if I hadn't read it, just flipping through, I would have seen that first. Well, line. It's, it's a very teacher thing to do, right? Before you yeah. read a book, yeah. like if you're reading Roman and Juliet, do you, hey, do you guys like gang wars? <laughs> you know, and you're like, what? You're like, well, then Roman and Juliet's really about a gang war. You're like, no, it's not. It's like it's there's so much. More to it than that, and yeah, I felt like that. I felt like that sense of, um, of like, okay, that's great, and I think that, um, but I can't take it back. I couldn't after I was yeah. done reading. I couldn't take it back, and I wish I could because I was questioning would I have gotten it. Yeah, I, I really want to kind of test myself to be like, how well do are Lemire and I on the same page as this? Yeah, and I think I think I would for sure have seen it that something had happened to him. But I don't know if I would have given it a supernatural explanation like I go to because it says Twilight Zone stuff. Yeah, I'm a, I was immediate. I'm a big Stephen King fan, and I immediately thought of his short story, The Langoliers, which I don't know if you ever read it, but mm-hmm. um, it's essentially you know a plane full of passengers that goes through a time rip, and they end up in the same world, but time has moved on and left them behind, and it very much had that vibe, and I think it carried that vibe because I was expecting a Twilight Zone type twist. You brought up the point, and I'm sure we'll get to it, about the ending and what the implications of the ending are. And it's funny because I did not read, I did not read an ambiguous ending into the story. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, I'm like, uh, okay, maybe it is a little more Twilight Zone-y than I thought. Mm Mm-hmm. I do see. I, I have a completely different take on the ending, know. but let's 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 save it. Let's talk about it? okay, so, uh, Josh. Let's talk about Jack because this is okay. Jack's story, and I yeah. think we I think we can uh, explore a lot of the um, the subtext and the themes yeah. through the character of Jack. 
What do you? Uh, I'm going to ask you both to kind of uh, put it into mm-hmm. your own words. What do you think Jack's struggle is in this story? I think Jack's struggle is. I think it's twofold. One, he can't let go of his father. Right. He wanted his father to be there when he was a kid, and he wasn't. And then he disappeared. Uh, and so for him, um, I think he wants to get that back. And I think he feels close to his dad at the water. So I think part of him going back to be an underwater welder is to get close to his dad because his dad was like a junker. Uh, mm. So his dad was a scuba diver who was a junker. At the same time, I think he's afraid of becoming his dad. So he's trying to get out of... So his wife is pregnant, <clears throat> and so he hasn't really taken a hand in it, which is the opposite of what he should be doing if he doesn't want to be like his dad. But I think he's afraid of becoming his dad. So he does A bit of an auto glitch there, but uh, you just missed a second of that. So Josh was just saying that, you know, and, and I want to talk about this. So I think this is an important part of it. I think that that... I think this, at, at heart, this is a lot of a father-son yeah. story. And... One of the things that I thought was where where I can personally, you know, look at this, and I think a lot of sons can in some ways, is that how much of your your father is in you yeah. and what good things you take with them, which bad things you could take with them, and the fact that he and his father both feel comfortable in that water, in the isolation, yeah. in the, um, the the privacy. They both enjoy the isolation and the privacy, his his father had a child and ran away from it. It was too much for him. It was, yeah. it was too overwhelming. It his natural state was to be alone, the loner, the 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 isolation, in my opinion. And then you have Jack who sees himself about to be take that position, but falling back in the nature of his father. Yeah, wanting to spend more and more time at work less and less time at home and being very self-aware of that. He's very self-aware of that yeah. fact. And it's and he, he's it's one thing to have demons, it's another thing to know the demons you have and to struggle with that. And I think to be blissfully unaware of your demons isn't an exciting story, but to be aware of them and have to confront them, that is another thing. And it is that memory in there. And one of the things that I wanted to ask Jeremy is um, Jeremy in your line of work you do a lot of listening. Yeah. to people yeah. and um, uh, a lot of uh, I bet that a lot of people's past comes up it's people dealing with past things they feel guilty about things they feel haunted by did you see any of that in the character Jack w- were you able to relate to it yourself or yeah totally you know um, I'm a pastor by trade and so at this morning six o'clock this morning I was meeting with a guy and this I mean very much rings true with the conversations we were having and the thing that I enjoyed about the story is the idea of breaking a cycle um, that he feels somehow trapped in, and yet he's working really hard to do it. The, the, there's a few things that that actually confused, I think confused what I felt like could have been a really clean through line mm-hmm. of that. Um, he, he's in denial about his guilt over what happened to his dad. He seems to feel like he caused it somehow and has repressed that thought. Did you guys pick well, up on that I, with the I, whole... I don't know if he knows that he caused it. I don't think he realizes it until... Well, that's the two ideas. Does he re, does he know Ooh. that he did it and he doesn't remember... He's forcing himself not to remember? Or does he not know that his dad died looking for that pocket watch? Yeah, I didn't think about that. He could have been repressing it. But, it, I mean, that makes sense. I yeah. mean, this is all about memories, repression, guilt, 
um, and overcoming that, um, yeah, could it be something that, because it was that line, right? There's that line in here where they give him the pocket watch. It, it's a it's a throwaway moment for Jack when he's a child because he's acting like a child is. Yeah. But the thing about memories is when you remember those moments, you're remembering them as an adult. Yeah. And you have the guilt, you have the conscience, you have the maturity of adult to look back at the six-year-old you and be like, I was a real jerk. That was not the right thing to do. Or why did I do that? Yeah. But you have no... You shouldn't feel guilty. That's what six-year-olds are. That's what ten-year-olds are. Yeah. And I think as adults, we have a tendency to look back in our past from our adult perspective and place a lot of undue guilt and burden upon ourselves that we carry around. Um, I just got really deep. Charles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For a comic book podcast, where last time we talked about, like, what makes the best Batman story? <laughs> it's, it's I like his, his short horns. <laughs> um, I would say that was part that I was curious about, like, whether he knew that his father was looking for the pocket watch or he didn't realize it. Because, I mean, he goes back to his mom's house and goes, hey, what happened to that, remember that pocket watch my, that dad gave me? But the weirdest thing, the thing that I thought was so interesting is um, you can tell how much he wanted to, like, how much he wanted to connect with his dad. Because his dad, um, he's like, hey, can I have that? And your dad's like, yeah, it's junk. Do you want it? Like, his dad was literally like, it's not worth anything. You can have it. And so he's like, yeah, I got it. And so, like, out of anger, he throws it, like, he gets it back. Didn't he leave it in the cars? And then what happens? He leaves it in the truck, and his dad gives it to him again, and that's when he throws it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. that real, like, Spider-Man moment, like, where he's, yeah. like, throwing away the, you know, like, <laughs> or uh, um, the uh, God Hates Astronauts, where he, <laughs> puts his head in the... <laughs> he puts his head in the trash. Yeah. Um, but it was totally that... Um, I don't know. That's now. That's something that I'm gonna have to like. I'm feel like I'm gonna read it again to try to figure out. Do I think that he knew his dad died looking for that watch or not? Yeah, one of the things that I, I think it's maybe a little more simple that his father wasn't very virtuous. Like, yeah, he loved him because he was his dad, not because he was any good. Uh, I'm not sure how much that helped the characterization of his father because his father seemed like a complete full stop loser. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you made you made the comment of, like, what we carry, the good and the bad, and I think it's totally true. I don't think he built built a very good case that there was anything good to carry from his father. Um, yeah. So I, I felt a little bit of uh, conflicted about how much he wanted, how much he cared about the situation with his dad, because his dad felt in the story a little one note in that he was... Not a good guy. Let him down. Every every opportunity we had to see him, he let him down. Yeah. Um. So I don't know that that made it feel a little bit like, well, I mean, who cares? He's a total d bag. Like the dad on. does fall into that stock character of the right. drunk dad. And right. I liked. I really liked the um his his plan to go. Uh, what is it to like the Caribbean or something like yeah. that and look Mexico for all that Spanish the, gold? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that he planted that 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 kind of vision in his child's head and for like a young boy that is that does for him like we think we know that's a deadbeat move we know those promises are empty but for him that's seems like the coolest it, thing ever. yeah, yeah and that's, totally that was dead. one of the last things that he has is this maybe if he lived maybe we would have done that we know as a reader as adults that yeah. that wouldn't have happened but um you couldn't even he get him out for Halloween or well, pick him up from baseball. I just like that his Halloween, like his Halloween talk was like, no, I'll get you in the truck and we will hit every house, <laughs> right? Like, I totally know I messed up, but I'm going to make it up to you by taking you like 
hella trick or treating. You know, like <laughs> yeah. we're really gonna get a bunch of candy. <laughs> um, so, do you think? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out. Did you did you enjoy the story? We talked about the art. We're kind of talking about the way the story goes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the story? Did, did you enjoy the story? On the first read, I I didn't really. I felt because I felt it was kind of like a one note, like oh, Twilight Zone, and that's why I read it again because I go, there's, I go, I can't, I don't have, if it's just a one note, I don't really have anything to say about it. And I read it again, and I really tried to look at it as not just a comic book, but just as this is Jeff Lemire having something personal to say. And I go, what does Jeff Lemire want? Obviously, this is a passion project of his. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what's he, what's he trying to say? He's working out some issues in this. What issues is he working out? And when I read everything through that lens, I was like, okay, I get this. I get this. You know, the, the idea of, of, of those memories and how they work and, and your relationships with your, with your father. I think any parent, I think this works for any parent. Yeah. And, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not a parent myself. Um, but I, I also am, am terrified of, uh, the fact of becoming a parent, not having a kid, but losing that alone time, losing that maybe a sense of who you are. Yeah. And I think he struggles with that. I think that's one of the reasons he escapes to the work because he knows that his life is going to become something different. He thinks it's not going to become his anymore, I think, or maybe, or it's going to be, but I think he's trying to escape from that. And I could totally see myself if someone's like, I'm pregnant. I'd be like, oh man, I can't do comic book podcast on 8 o'clock on a weekday night now. <laughs> What's going to happen? They just have to be at your own house. Like, yes, I'm talking to two dads who are totally here. <laughs> yeah. um, I, would, I would agree with you. I, uh, Jeremy, what would you think overall of the story? Uh, I'm, I'm with Travis. The first, I did not read it twice. Uh, I read parts of it a second time. The first time through, I finished it on a, a backpacking trip with my wife this weekend. And I got to the end, and I I felt I, I echo what Travis is saying that I didn't know like what in the heck am I going to say about this? Mm-hmm. I don't really know where to go. It felt very, it felt trite a little bit. Um, oh, a, another artist with daddy issues that deals with them and the guilt that goes along with that in a fairly. This feels like a very stock creative type yeah. thing movies a lot of movie creators have these issues guys who are doing music have these issues writers have these issues it's common but i oh, cheated son came home yeah. just the other day yeah, yeah, said, yeah. thanks for the ball now come on let's <laughs> yeah and and well, i mean let's be fair it's probably a very human experience yeah. so that it makes sense that it would inform art uh but i cheated a little bit and i started talking through it with my wife i just like I did the podcast with her. I said, okay, here's the summary of the story. And she's like, well, what do you think? And I just started working through some of it. And that really helped me to kind of solidify. Uh, it's bothering me now that I have this lingering thought that maybe he doesn't actually end up with her at the end because I'm a sucker for a redemption story. I mean. And if it's not redemptive. Then- if it's not redemptive, if he just ends up, if this is an inception moment where we're going to have to argue about whether that top's really spinning or not, I, oh, I don't we'll know. Go, we'll go, now's the time to argue it. What do you think about that? Let's talk about this end. It did not even cross my mind that it wasn't a legit moment at the end. I felt like he had dealt with his demons underwater with his hypoxia moment under there uh, and came up cleared of whatever he left whatever he was carrying behind at the bottom of the ocean and was ready to move forward as a father. And he that was satisfying. Hug his, that was satisfying. Dad underwater, like you know, like you see this. He goes through his childhood. This is what I'm gonna. 
I'm going to tell you why I think that he it's a redemptive moment, why he is back in the real world. I think that um, the way the art style works, his worlds are separate. Underwater is a different world for him than above ground. So I think that's why Jeff Lemire does the stark black and white for real world and the watercolor underwater. Um, if you look at the underwater stuff when he's not in the other world, it has all those dark lines and it's not washed out. Um, but when he's in the other world, it looks very pencil-y, right? Uh, so when he's, when he's wherever he's at, um, it's this really kind of pencil-y moment whenever he's back in time. And that back in time stuff is that. But then when he comes back yes. at the end, it is both harsh, dark lines and watercolor. Mm -hmm. So I think it's he has taken his two separate worlds, his his world where he it has to be uh, a father, where he's a person, where he's not alone, and his solitary, the joy or whatever it is he's doing when he's underwater, and those two worlds come together. So if you look at that last panel when he comes out of the water, there's a rebirth. Yeah, moment there. exactly. Yeah. That's that's why I, that picture right there, that panel right there, where he comes out of the water and he's kind of being. Uh, it's like post-baptism, if you will, yeah, almost, yeah, right? Yeah. Where he's getting pulled out of the water. Right there, you have the dark lines and the watercolor together as opposed to the yeah. washed-out pencils and watercolor. And so his real world now mirrors that world that he... that he. Both of them are together now. That's why I think... That's why I think he's in the... That it's the same. Why? What's your? I see your face. I um, okay. I obviously there's am, the ambiguities there do on purpose, you know, so mm -hmm. that we can discuss this and have conversations like this. I'm not saying that it's it's not a redemption moment, but if it is, I think it's too easy when he's in that world. When he that's a great that's a great one, right? When he's in that world, I mean, what is he doesn't really? There's no battling of demons. There's no confronting it. He follows his young self and he I, goes to the bar. And I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong. I think he gets to think about everything. Imagine that you wake up and no one's around. What are you? What do you have to do? Mm -hmm. But think about all the stuff that's bothering you. And so whether he's in a different dimension or he's in his head, like he got knocked unconscious underwater or whatever it was. In that moment, he's got time to think about all that stuff. And you're right. It doesn't spend a lot of time. There's not a lot, a lot of exposition of him talking himself through it. Mm. But he does remember what happens. Um, there's like this whole, uh, this whole moment where he remembers being a kid. Um, everything that kind of happened with his dad. Uh, you can see, I feel that although it's not... It's not exactly there. And he's there for like ever. It says like some days seem to last only a few hours. Others stretch on for what feels like a week. One thing's for sure. I am totally alone. Whatever have to be down there, everyone is gone. Yeah, that's depression. So that all he has there is time to think about what what happened. It's a, it's a state of depression. Yeah. And what I have a problem with is if this is this journey, this observation of of a person going through these struggles, which we talked about earlier mm -hmm. and trying to confront these things. You know, how did he solve it? Like, what do I what do I draw from that? Like, I, I have to go back and be like hypnotized and relive <laughs> that like the the image of the moment. You know, like and figure out is it like one of those things? Like, well, well, therapists will do. They'll you know sometimes they'll put you in a trance or try to get you to think about that epiphany mm -hmm. moment. Is yeah. that what he's saying here? Is it as simple as that? 
And I think Lemire's I think Lemire's better than that. I think you got something more original I, to say than that, Lemire. I think he sees himself as his father. I think that's his epiphany moment. Is he looks like his dad, and he he sees himself doing the same thing, and then he goes, "Whoa, whoa, I got to go back and fix right. this." That's I think a, that's, yeah, that's what good, it is. That's a good point. Is he sees himself as his father alone in this world, and he doesn't like that. That's a good that point. doesn't yeah. seem as appealing as what he left behind on the surface. Right. What do you think, Jeremy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so conflicted. This pan, this shot, this page. I don't know what page it is because the page numbers don't oh, follow. That's but ascension the yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm, all of a sudden, I'm seeing him ascending to heaven. And where is heaven? It's where he wants to be, happily with his wife and his child. So now I, I don't know. I'm a little conflicted. Oh, that's beautiful. About it, but that's, I didn't even think about that. I mean, that's two ways you can read that. That's a wow. That's a really powerful um, uh, page. Then, um, yeah. wow. And I'd I love to have those. Wouldn't you love to have those two? We're looking at pages. Um, it's page. Uh, oh, it's uh, yeah, two fourteen, two thirteen. I want these both framed my wall right next to each other. Right, like this it is, one, it is fam- and then like catty corner is the yeah the two bridge. thirteen and two fourteen. If you have a copy, it is just a two. It, so it's him rising to the water. He's been res- rescued by a Trapper. Is that his name? The the guy who's on the ship pulls him up, and then the next one is him being kind of birthed out of the water in this kind of like. I don't, the art style on it is just it's just fantastic and it and it ties those two art styles together you've got the dark inks and the wash yeah i think i think i tend to be siding with josh if if this panel of him ascending to heaven was not followed by a like really uh tactile physical rebirth moment um i think i would I would be heading towards this is not a real reality that he's dealing with. But this seems to indicate that he is ascending out of the depths of whatever he's done. And somebody mentioned earlier about him being completely aware of how he related to his dad and how he was following down Mm -hmm. those steps. He never seems to come face to face with that until that moment at the end of his time in the darkness that he is his dad. His mom was telling him, his wife was telling him, but nobody seemed to, he never seemed to embrace that until that moment. Well, he sees himself again at, like, at Halloween, he dresses up like a scuba diver, like his dad. And so he's got, like, the box on his head, and so he's remembering that, and he goes, oh my gosh, I'm my dad. Why Halloween? You could have picked any holiday, you could have picked anything. Halloween came up quite a bit. It could have been, if it was just, like, a one-off, but it was... You know, was it to put him just in the costume and have that image there of the little welder following him? I think I think it's part of it. I think that serves a purpose that way. I also think it serves a purpose is that it's a memorable day that people kind of want to avoid anyways, just because it's it's ghosts and it's spooky or whatever it is. Mass and it's mass, and so at the same time, it's a day he wants to avoid now because that's a day his dad disappeared. So I think it sets it up really well because he's dealing with the ghost of his father, mm-hmm. right, right, in his own life. And it actually is on Halloween, you know, mm-hmm. like the ghostly holiday. Right. I think on Christmas it'd just be sad. But since well, it's it'd, not, it'd, it'd be know? too Christmas, like uh, yeah. you know, like Scrooge McDuck. Yeah, yeah. Scrooge McDuck. Scrooge. <laughs> I always feel the McDuck at the end of Scrooge. Well, he's my favorite Scrooge. Really, <laughs> he's the best Scrooge by far. He he sums it up, I think, on the page on one forty one. He's sitting in the truck. He's outside the water. He says, "My name is Jack Joseph, and I'm thirty three years old. The same age my father was when he." went looking for something he couldn't find was it my fault i don't know maybe he wanted to leave maybe he wanted to die he he is so imaging exactly who his dad is to the to the 
age that he is when he dies and looking for something he can't find, which is to find the answer to why his dad never loved him and abandoned him. Um, I, I feel like that's a real epiphany moment. Now, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I really I like love the, that I don't know, actually. Yeah, it actually it makes me like it that much more. Well, I think this is this is where I realize that I really like this book is because how much conversation you could have from it. That's when I really got excited to talk about it. Because sometimes different con- different books, it's like, I'm excited to talk about this specific thing. Yeah. But I knew once I'm like, this is it. Like, what like what happens to him? Yeah. What is this story about? What's it saying? And and what, it, depending on which way you view it at the end, I think it says more about you, the way well, you view it, it at the yeah, end yeah, than, than anything. And um, probably the part of you, where you are in your own life how you're reading it. If I read this 10 years from now, I get to give a whole different ending. Yeah. If I read this 10 weeks from now, I could probably give a whole different I, This is, this is going to be, this is one of the reasons I really enjoy the podcast is because had I read this on my own and I wanted to, it's something that I wanted to read. That's why, that's why I picked it. You and I decided I'm going to pick three and you pick three. And, yeah. and so that's what we're doing. Um, I am, I am so like glad I got to talk through this. Because I think it makes me everything we've read. It's made me appreciate it even more. And you can't argue the fact, even even though you didn't like God hates astronauts, you appreciated something about it a little more after we talked about it. You know, I appreciated the two beers I had during that podcast. <laughs> uh, and just talking about it no, lets yeah. me kind of lets me kind of work through again. Sometimes issues. it's a vent. Sometimes yeah. it's just a vent. Like, yeah. like I read this thing. Someone please listen to me uh, at this right. <laughs> uh, but so. What other you got any other questions for us? Trevor? Yeah, what uh, well, Jeremy, Jeremy, yeah. you said you were talking about it. Uh, I know you're excited to talk about this book. Is there anything that stuck out to you that you wanted to uh, uh, bring uh, up? I know I put you on the spot. Yeah, not... <laughs> the biggest question that I came out of the book was was not the ending. There's there's a moment when he is in whatever we're calling it, the dream world, and he swims down, and his dad is there, and he, yeah. his dad tells him essentially, "I found the watch." But then he says, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time, Jackie. It's time. Oh, now you're making me think again. <laughs> and and I really, I don't know what, what time for what. I, I think it's time to grow up. Is that, is that time think, to let it go? Yeah, time to let it go. Time to let me go, right? Time to let go the ghost of me. Because he follows sh- it up with the hug. Yeah. That's a sweet Oh, moment. man. That's such a, it, oh, it's. I yeah, and you know, cry it's right so, now. I know, it's so great. It. <laughs> it's so great, too, because the sequence of that with them hugging and then it. Yeah, it pans out. It pans out, and then the song over the top. Yeah, I'd like to say that I didn't get a little misty-eyed <laughs> sitting in the woods reading that part. Oh man, you were like, yeah, that would have been a great place to read. Next, to, uh, the beach, of course, would be the ultimate place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but not like, not like a like sand beach, a rocky yeah, like, East California Coast lighthouse beach. beach. But yeah. like a definite, yeah. a definite like. East this is in like Canada, I think. Nova Scotia. Like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he's Canadian, so that makes yeah. sense. Uh, even uh, Essex County is about like it's about hockey and kids growing up and stuff. I really want to read that one, but it's like. It's like a trilogy, so I didn't want to put you through reading about sports, Travis. So, <laughs> by the way, um, I spent about twenty minutes researching underwater welders. So I'm like, what a cool job! They, I hear you're, they get paid on average of uh, starting fifty four thousand uh, dollars. Typically, if you have more than three years' experience, ninety thousand dollars. Well, yeah. I'm going to quit my teaching job and go do some underwater welding, and I am terrified of like putting a mask on and going underwater. But for ninety thousand. I think I could get over it. I think and I I, now it. once that I read about what happens when, you're, when there's like a like, like a sea beast, <laughs> you know? Well, there's any sea beasts. I don't. I mean, I, a shark to me is yeah. a sea beast. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Like a, okay, yeah, it's yeah. a fair argument. It is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> killer whale, killer whales. I know they're cute and cuddly, 
but they call him killer for a reason, right? Yeah. Sea Beast. Yeah. But I guess that's why you can pay $90,000, right? Yeah, right? To go. Well, you have a torch, too, so I feel yeah. like that's. You're going to be. You're going to that up. It was so great um, because you have that. I'll tell you about. It could have been any profession. This story could have been told for anything. What made. What made it. Why is it. Do you like the fact that it was an underwater welder? What What does that add to it? The fact that he's an underwater welder. Like, just the career. Because this story could have been told in any vein. You know, it has a the nice watery image we mm-hmm. talked about in there. Yeah. But um, what do you think, Jeremy? Why? Why? Do, what is? What is it being an underwater water mean? Uh, underwater welder. What role does that play for you? I I have no idea. I wish I could give you some brilliant <laughs> insight. I have no idea. I think it lends itself to some really nifty imagery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's. I think it's one. That I you know yeah, that I yeah. think that's one of it too. And you have that whole symbolism of the baptism of the of. The seclusion. I think that's uh, really he's what it is. himself that was down a really there. Good, yeah. That I was a really be, good observation. I think being alone is really the key part about this, yeah. right? So he's he's running away from everything, and he's truly running away from everything, right? He is totally... No one's going to be down there with him. Uh, that's like a... Like, you were by yourself on that job. So I imagine that's... I guess he could have been a... Uh, I don't know, like a um, a park ranger? Right, so he's by himself in the woods, maybe. Right. I, you know what I mean? But one of those forest fire spotters. Yeah, right. But I think that like this lends itself to like the isolation. Um, it lends itself to again just some beautiful imagery. Um, even if the faces are ugly in this book, there's just some magic that he does with the watercolors. Speaking of which, favorite panel. Favorite panel. Go for it. All right, my favorite panel. Uh, I will. Let me see. Um, I couldn't help myself but pick a. Splash page. Earlier yeah. on, you were like, no, I couldn't yeah. do it. They I got picked, to. I mean, there's so many good ones. I picked a splash page, and it's the one where he is with his wife, and they're on the ocean. Yeah, that's So great. he's telling his wife, uh, he's singing a song, oh, and this is what I thought was magical. Too. It's like, I, it's a song that his dad sang to him, and so you can tell, even though his dad's a jerk, and every part we see about him, his dad, is that his dad is a total loser, this is what sticks with this kid, and that's why, as an adult, this is why I think he's so connected to his dad, because... He his were, dad never grew up. Yeah. His dad was a child who skirted responsibilities, but that's appealing because he has that childlike wonder and curiosity, too. But I also think, like, you can see that this song is something that, oh, a good dad would, that's what a good dad does, right? Yeah. And so he's singing the song, to his, or the, he's reading the poem to his wife, or tell, reciting it to her, whatever it is. And the last one, um, so it starts with them on their bed, and it kind of zooms in on them, and uh, and then it zooms out to show... They're not really on the ocean, but like this image of them being out in the middle of the ocean, the way the poem goes. Uh, and I'm going to read it because that's the kind of kind of dude I am, right? Um, the waves are high and the sunset's red, so now it's time to go to bed. The tide is up and the wind do, do, uh, does rip, but this old ship will never tip. Uh, we're far at sea, days from land, but if you're scared, just take my hand. Just hold on tight, boy, oh mine. In my arms, you'll be just fine. And then this is the scene where they're on the ocean. It's page uh, 59. The moon is full, the sea is deep, and we rock and rock and rock to sleep. And so you can see, like, the sun setting on the ocean. And it's it's such a... Yeah. It's such a simple panel because, it really, it's super sketchy. The birds look like W's and M's. Like, they don't look like birds, right? It's like what you draw when you're a kid when you draw birds. But it is... There's just something magical about that panel. I thought it was really great. I love that one, too. Uh, Jeremy, what's your what's your panel? I went with a splash page too. I really love the whole sequence starting on page one eighteen, um, where he he 
kind of goes into freakout mode when he finds the watch. I think that's what happens earlier. And yeah, he grabs the watch and he starts yeah. going nuts. And then there's this moment where he just goes completely limp, and it's the sp- yeah. splash page of him. He's real frog yeah. man. And, yeah, and it's really it's really great. And then that whole sequence where it backs away and it backs away, and you get a sense of like how alone he really is right, under there is, great. is really great. Well, and that leads up to him being and then, truly alone. Yeah. Right? And that's that's kind of cool part about it. And I just realized this. On 122 is him coming out of the water, and it really mirrors that panel later on where he's being saved out of the water. Mm-hmm. By someone by else. By someone else. So yeah. he's not alone. So this is him kind of coming up by himself, and it's truly that moment where yeah. you know he comes up later. And, oh, man, how did I realize this panel on 122 underwater you can see it's, it's all it's that this is it so you can shade. see half the water is all shaded and then above water is that harsh line kind of by itself moment all right so uh i went with a uh, a panel on page uh, 96 uh it's the third panel down um again on my second read uh going through this this is where i kind of sit and contemplate i'm like oh this is a really powerful image here it's jack um his back is to the uh, perspective and he's looking out into the dark um, ocean, and he sees lightning out there, and then he sees his father's face and the reflection of it, you know. Um, and I was like, okay, well, let's start. Let me take a pause and like start figuring out what Lemire's saying here. And that yeah. was one of the things that I really liked, and that goes back to the the conversation that we've been having for the last thirty minutes. I thought that was a. I think that's a really cool panel. Um, anything else you really? Anything else that? Anything else that uh, Jeff Lemire does that you really dug in here? He does a lot of this multi-panel art where he keeps the he keeps the panel structure in place, but then the art leaks out over all of them. Right. I don't know. That I'm was, sure there's that, a comic booky. That was one of the things I was going to talk about too. That yeah. I thought was really cool. He does that a bunch of I times. I even marked that I, same page. Yeah, I really like that. On page 95, there's uh, his wife slams the door, and it's still that it's a um, 12 panel page, but literally nine panels of it is one picture. Um, but it's just pieced together. He does that a bunch of times. He does that like um, there's the city. So when he shows the island, I think the island's done the same way, isn't it? It's done in that multi-panel kind of thing. Uh, he does it a couple times through here, and I really thought it was cool because it reminds you. Yeah, I'm reading a comic book. It's really, but it, when he does that, it made me kind of look through them one panel at a time. <coughs> Pardon me. And I thought that was kind of like a a really cool way to kind of set up some of that stuff. All right. Yeah, I'm looking as as Jerry's looking through. I'm like, oh man, there are so many good shots in this. Yeah. You know, now having talked about it, I want to go back through and look and, and try it. It's like, where's Waldo? Like, where's right. the symbolism? I, it is, yeah. and so and that's something that we haven't really. That's something that we haven't talked about a whole lot on the show so far mm-hmm. as we've read stuff. Is any like big symbolism? But I would say that this book has. Well, it's nice with the complete story here. Yeah, that we, we get, get to see the payoff. One, one solid piece of symbolism in here. Um, do, do you guys feel like this story works in any other medium, or is this a story that only works as a graphic novel? I think you could do it. I think, and I'm going to be honest. I think it'd be. A, I think it'd be a. I think you could do a like a film would probably be too long, but I think the style almost lends itself. You could probably do film version of it, but I don't think it would. I don't think it would play as well. If that makes sense, I think this is the best possible format for it. But, like, looking at it, I'm like, oh, you can do some cool things where underwater is, you know, we film it this way, and above ground is this way. And you can think of, like, um, what's the movie, uh, um, Pleasantville, 
mm-hmm. right? How it's black and white until... Doesn't that feel like it would be too obvious, though? Maybe, maybe I guess Because there's something would. about the subtlety of the way the art changes that I didn't notice. I really didn't even notice. Right. I think, I think. Well, I mean, obviously, could you turn this into a Twilight Zone episode? And I think you could, but it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. It would just be one that's screwed on the rug because this medium, the comic book medium, really allows for that contemplative read, where you can go back, reread it, find the symbolism, go back to the panels, find those things. Look at, look at his art. Look, his hands up here. And it's down here, and like those kind of de- details. Yeah, it really lets you sit I, on an image for a long I, I, time. I, right. This story isn't is is been told over and over and over again, but I don't think it's been told this well in this medium. And I think that that because he Lemire takes that father son story and that um, conflict there, and he we haven't seen that in comics to this degree in one whole separate story done this well with this kind of art by one artist. Yeah. It's not other people in the pot, no fi- other fingers in the pot. I think that he's able to create a very um, powerful piece uh, for the medium of comics. You know, something that, yeah. that can be read as literature um, and uh, really discussed the way we discussed it today. I would say, I would say, like, um, there's a whole lot of heart, and you can feel kind of like what he put into this it's after world. it's super. And I don't know if it's maybe it's personal, maybe it's not, but you can really tell that. Um, everything we've read so far has been a multiple, you know, it's been an artist and a writer, or when we read Prophet, that was a writer and like five different artists. Right. And this, you can just really see it's him digging and doing all this by, you can see there's a lot of heart and there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. Right. All right. So all right. that was on our water welder people recommend. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, who to, who to. I would recommend it. Someone who likes the Twilight Zone. Um, I would recommend it to that the um, the person you're you're afraid to recommend comics to. Um, uh, the 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 most opposite end of the spectrum, like the person who it, it, the, the 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 person who reads but doesn't read comics. Yeah. The the lit reader, the person who loves to surf Barnes and Noble but has never been to the comic book section. I would I would give it to them. I'd give it to my mom. I'd give it to my mom. I would say, if you never, my mom's never read a comic book, hopefully we'll get on the show one day. I would give this to her and say, I would feel happy, I, not, I would feel confident giving it to her that she would get something out of it and not just be like, you know. Yeah. Jeremy, would you recommend it? Yeah, totally. I think it's great. I, I would, I would have a hard time uh, recommending it to someone without some sort of a communal experience to go along with it. This, yeah, to be able this, to talk about it. This process, I mean, the little bit of a processing I did with my wife, she didn't even read it, but she wanted to know what it was about. Yeah. It it colored it so much. Well, now you have to give it to your wife to like. Oh, yeah, it. totally. So. She'll read it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would totally recommend it. Uh, I totally think you're right, Travis. I would totally give this to someone who doesn't read a lot of comic books. Um, even though the art style isn't, I think it's not the prettiest thing as far as like people go. I think that the imagery and what it does with symbolism really outweighs that aspect of it. And so for someone who... An avid reader would pick it apart, yeah. Yeah, and so I think someone someone who doesn't read comic books can really appreciate kind of the story that goes along with it. Yeah. All cool. right. Well, 
That was Underwater Welder. Yeah. Uh, next week, what do we got? Next week, we've got our between trades, Our uh, right? So we're going in between. So yep. next time we meet, uh, Travis and I, we're going to chit-chat about uh, what we're reading. And I do believe you have a big question that you want to ask me in our in-between the between the trades episode. Right, I'll keep so, it till that, yeah. that day. Uh, so we're, we're going to talk about that. our next trade is? Uh, next trade is She-Hulk, Lawn Disorder. So we're going to go back to a superhero book, but we're going to go like... Marvel's weird corner that they've got going on right now. So we're going to talk about She-Hulk. Uh, that was written by uh, I don't know, what's his first name. I can't remember what his first name is. Soul, uh, Charles Soul, yeah. and uh, drawn by Javier Polito, and then Ron Wimberly draws uh, the last two issues of it. So it's a six-issue uh, arc, and it's really this it's got a lot of good press. It has, we'll and this see. this one just ended. So She-Hulk just ended uh, twelve issues. We're going to read the first half of it, uh, and my wife is the guest. So mm. we'll see. She's been going. How come I haven't been on the podcast yet? So now she's. She be sounds the, just she like does that. She does sound just like that. that. So uh, she's going to be on the podcast talking about She Hulk with us. So you should pick that up. And about two weeks, we'll be talking that. Uh, next week, though, we'll be doing our between the between the trades, our variant editions. So thanks for tuning in. Again, you can find us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash comic exposure on the internet, comic exposure.com on Twitter at comic exposure and on the Instagram comic exposure. Uh, I'm Josh. And for Travis, I want to say, uh, we'll see you next trade.